And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is the Reverend Doug Wilson. Doug, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the invitation. You know, last time we talked was, uh, I was looking back in our records, April the 12th, and uh, we talked about we become like what we worship. That was the subject then. And uh, lately, Doug, on the Covenant Home, we've been reading an excerpt each Wednesday night from your book, For a Glory and a Covering, A Practical Theology of Marriage. And um, we appreciate that little book. And and, um, out of marriage comes children. And I thought, you know, it would really be cool if we could talk a little bit of um, our Christian children and how does God want us to view these these precious little babies that, that he gives to us. And I wonder if we can get started at that point today. Sure. I'd be happy to do it. One of, one of the um, central questions that every godly Christian parent has is, is this. How can I know that my children are going to turn out? And this is expressed in a number of different ways. But we're basically asking is how can I know that my children will love and serve God the same way that uh, I have been brought to love and serve God? So we want to we want to give our children uh, those things which are precious to us. If you imagine family heirlooms or a rare photograph of your great great grandfather, or you know things things like that, we want to pass them on to our children. Well, how could we want to pass good things on to our children? Remember, Jesus says, uh, if you, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will the Father give mm-hmm. the Spirit to those who ask? So Jesus argues from the fact that parents want to give their children good things. And how would it be possible for Christian parents to want to give their children good things like food, shelter, and education, etc., and be content with that if their children don't receive the good thing of covenant faithfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so when Joshua says, uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, he is speaking for his generation, and he's speaking for the next generation, and the generation after that. And so every godly parent of whatever denomination, whatever background, whether you baptize your children in infancy or not, every godly parent wants their children to be godly. Mm. That's true. It's a great blessing for us, certainly, to know that our children are walking with the Lord now that we're a little bit older, and uh, they may not be going to the same church that we're going to, but they they love the Lord Jesus. Right, right. So if you don't, um, basically, um, what you want to do is uh, start with the central thing, the thing that's of first importance. Do they love God? Do they love God? Do they love their neighbor? Are they mm. are they enabled to do that by the grace of God in the gospel? Now, if your if your children move away, you know, and they're worshiping God on the other side of the country, you you can still be encouraged because they're worshiping God. Yeah. If they move next door and but they abandon God, um, it's a source of heartache. So the issue is not geographical location. Mm. The issue is whether there's a real spiritual unity or not. Mm-hmm. We're told in the scriptures that salvation is of, of grace alone, and uh, we, we take no credit ourselves. And yet, at the same time, 
as, as parents, we realize that there's a good deal of work involved in, in order of, to raise a Christian child. Can you, can you help us sort that out a little bit? Yeah, um, and this is something that many people stumble over when it comes to our children, but they don't stumble over it when it comes to anything else. <laughs> and I, I would just encourage Christians to, to think it through carefully and to be consistent. So, for example... If, um, let's say, a, a family comes to dinner one night, they've got a bunch of you know kids around the table, and, and Dad says, uh, all right, children, let's thank God for our food. Okay? Now, what he's doing is, by thanking God for the food, he is saying this food was given to us as a gift from God, and we're going to thank him for it. Just as we thank uh, people for giving us birthday presents or Christmas presents or any just gift out of the blue, we say thank you so much. Right, so when we go go say grace for the food, we're thanking God for the food. But suppose one of the children said, "But Dad, you bought the food with a paycheck, and you got the paycheck because you get up every morning at six thirty and are out the door by quarter to eight, and and you work really hard. And and why why are we thanking God for it? Why aren't we thanking you? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well. The father, if he's wise, said, well, I appreciate it if you thank me for the work I do. But I'm, what I'm telling you when we say grace is that my ability to work and the fact that I have a job and I have a desire to work and all of those things are themselves also a gift from God. Mm. Right? So uh, work is not something we do instead of grace. Work is a grace. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, now, and we intuitively, naturally, instinctively understand that there's no contradiction in working very hard in the garden. You know, you, you work in the, hard in the garden all summer long, mm-hmm. and you harvest the corn, and you bring it in, and you boil it on the stove, and then you bow your head and you thank God for the corn. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, when I bring up my, when I bring up my children, and, and my children are, are all faithful Christians. They've mar- they're married to faithful Christians. Uh, my grandkids, I've got 16 grandkids, and they are faithful Christians. And there was an, an enormous amount of work involved in all of that. Right? right? So uh, my wife and I labored diligently to provide our children with a Christian education. We worked hard. We did, you know, we did all that. Yes. And we, we worked very, very hard, and every last bit of it was the grace of God. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's exactly right, and, and that captures what I really wanted to bring out. Um, it's a lot of hard work, and yet it's all of the grace of God. Sometimes it's hard to understand that, that nuance, I guess. Yeah, it, um, it's not a zero-sum game where, you know, if God gets a bigger piece of the pie or a bigger piece of the credit, that I oh, get a smaller one. That's right. Right, so... Um, in Philippians, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, uh, for God is at work in you, both the will and to do for his good pleasure. Mm. So we're called to work out what God's working in, yeah. but it doesn't make any sense to say, what percentage is God's and what percentage is mine? It's not 90-10 or 50-50 or 99-1. Mm-hmm. It's 100%. It's 100%, 100%. <laughs> yeah. God works it in 100%, and I work it out 100%. <laughs> now, what I wanted to ask you about 
was um, on, on behalf of myself and our listeners, um, let's say you have a household, and uh, let's say there's two households. One is, let, let's just hypothetically say, one is a Christian household, and and God grants um, a baby to that household, uh, a little child. And, and another household uh, down the street, uh, the dad is, is in prison, um, you know, there's... It's an absolute mess. It's it's they hate God in that household. <laughs> you know, there's two households. Um, how are we to view these children? Um, we, we know that that we're we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And and can you help us work through that? How do we think about our children that are born to a Christian? Yeah, household? I would encourage I would encourage Christian parents. I, I would begin with how I would encourage you not to regard your children. <laughs> I, I, would, I would urge you, plead with you, to not regard your children as short heathen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and, and I'm saying this, uh, I'll, I, I should say in passing that uh, some of your listeners might know that I, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm, and, which means I'm a paedo-baptist, which means I've baptized babies, uh-huh. I've baptized some of my grandchildren when they were infants and so on. But what I'm saying here is not about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it's that's it's obviously a related subject, but that's not the heart of the subject. Um, because when we had, when my wife and I had our three children, um, we were Baptists. Sure, and we were Baptists at that time, and at that time we considered our children to belong to God every bit as much as we do now. Sure. That didn't change. The water changed, but who the kids belonged to didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay? Um, these are not the devil's children. No. These, um, these, are, these are gods. So uh, when, uh, when our children were little, we didn't baptize them, but we certainly dedicated them to God. Mm-hmm. We, you know, um, we wanted to be able to say, uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right. And I learned that um, I, I learned that covenant, covenant faithfulness, covenant connectedness, mm. uh, covenant integrity from my father, who is uh, very much a Baptist and remains a Baptist, and he's the one who taught me to see the covenant promises of God in Scripture. Sure, God God promises um, that He will show mercy to a thousand generations in Deuteronomy five and in Deuteronomy seven. Uh, it's very explicit. Um, God shows mercy to a thousand generations uh, for those who love him and keep, it, keep his covenant. Mm-hmm. And keeping his covenant is not works righteousness. It's not legalism. Keeping his covenant is kept by faith, mm-hmm. by believing his promises. So it's, um, it is appropriate to view my children, which were born into a Christian household, with a special perspective and, and knowing, I, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but knowing that we serve a sovereign God who very particularly put that particular child into that household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's all part of God's sovereign goodness. When Paul's talking to Timothy, he says, uh, I'm confident you have the same faith in you that was in your mother and in your grandmother. Yes. Right? Yes, right. Um, so it's sort of a, um, there is a lineage to this sort of thing. Now, the lineage, and this is something that, um, I'm, I'm an evangelical, and I understand why evangelical 
uh, friends would hasten to assure me, you know, God has no grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And by that, by that they mean, if, if by that they mean that everybody has to believe God directly, trust God personally, you know, we, we go to heaven or hell by sure. ones. We don't go in clumps or clusters. Mm. Uh, you, you either love Jesus or you don't. Either trust in God or you don't. And we do that as individuals. But nevertheless, Paul describes Timothy's faith as being the same faith that was in his mother and in his, and his, <laughs> and in his grandmother. Yeah. All right. So, um, and I, I, I very much have the experience of believing the same way my father did, and seeing mm. my children believe the same way we did. And and it's not rank superstition. It's not like oh, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just a Christian because my parents were. That's that's formalism. That's mm-hmm. hypocrisy. Yes. There's something coming out here, too, that you mentioned, this covenant faithfulness, and that I want to hone in just a little bit on the concept of covenant. Um, that That is a rich term. It's not a barren term, um, and it's, right. it's, um, it's tied to relationship. Can you help us develop a better appreciation of, of what God means by covenant? Yeah, um, First, I want to point out the irony of the fact that, that we sometimes have to define terms like that, because notice uh, our Bibles. We, you know, we're all Bible-believing Christians. We're conservative Christians. We go to church carrying our Bibles. And if we were stopped by an intelligent non-Christian who said, that book you've got there, it's got two sections. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> what's, what's a testament? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, um, the, the New Testament in Greek is hekaine uh, diatheke. Uh, diatheke is the word for covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are the the book that const the book that is the constitution of the Christian Church has the word covenant in it. In it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is a covenant would seem to be a reasonable question. Mm-hmm. Okay, since you guys are all about covenant. Uh, what is it? Well, I would say um, my understanding, my definition of a covenant is that it's a solemn bond, sovereignly administered, with attendant blessings and curses. Uh, could you say that again? That that's yeah. neat. It's a solemn bond, sovereignly administered, with attendant blessings and curses. Mm. Okay. Um, Blessings for keeping covenant and curses for abandoning or breaking. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so it's not it's it's richer and deeper and more profound than a contract. Okay. Okay. So a a, a contract has some elements of it, like I um, it it may be a serious bond that you both sign and everything, and, and you promise to deliver a thousand widgets to his factory by this mm-hmm. such a time and. And you agree to it, and it's, it's serious, high-stakes business. Um, but that contract, however serious it is, is not anywhere nearly near as solemn as, let's say, a wedding ceremony, yes. um, which is a, which is the formation of a covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you if you look at that a, uh, a wedding covenant, does it fit the definition of a covenant? Solemn bond, yeah, we have that. Sovereignly administered. Yes, you have usually have a minister of the church or a representative of the civil society there because we mean business. This is a big deal. You bet, right? So, um, 
so as a minister, when I oversee a wedding, I am a minister of Christ, and I'm uh, I'm representing the fact that this is that marriage is not defined by us, or marriage is not defined by the bride and the groom. Mm. It's and and that's incidentally why same sex marriage is is uh, is so foolish. Is we're we're trying to. Uh, um, grab the sovereign administration of the covenant and seize control of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, the bride and groom can't come and say, well, we've decided that we're going to have a love and respect Mary. We want to just do that on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. <laughs> you know, this we're going to tailor-make uh, our marriage. No, no, this is sovereignly administered. Yes. Okay, marriage is what marriage is, and you come into it or you don't but you don't define it yourself. Right. So it's sovereignly administered with attendant blessings, husbands loving their wives, wives respecting their husbands, with attendant blessings and curses. Mm. So when a man commits adultery, Proverbs says that he's heaping uh, coals of fire on himself, for example. So you've got blessings and curses, and that's what constitutes a covenant, blessings mm-hmm. for keeping covenant, curses for breaking them. Now, as the covenant people of God... Um, it's it's a solemn bond. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, sovereignly administered, Christ is the head of the church, and we're brought into union with Him, with uh, with attendant blessings and curses. So you've got um, of how much worse punishment do you think they they deserve who've trampled uh, underfoot the blood of the covenant by which they were uh, sanctified, right in Hebrews? Mm-hmm. So. When people become covenant breakers, they're despising uh, the grace of God as represented in the gospel. And when people embrace it by faith, uh, they live under God's blessing. Mm. Well, this is very helpful. Uh, Today on the phone line with me is Pastor Doug Wilson, and we're talking about the Christian home and um, children that are born to uh, a Christian set of Christian parents. What about... um, Hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but what about when these children, for whatever reason, don't walk with the Lord? Um, right. How do you how do you deal with that? Um, how do you you know in well, your the, mind and and also advice to parents? Yeah. Well, the first thing you want to do is the first thing you want to do is comprehend that a child who walks away from a Christian upbringing is is honestly, in a, in a more perilous state than a child who never knew anything about Jesus. Mm. Okay, so it, it would be better to be a Buddha, grow up in a Buddhist home and never have heard about Christ mm-hmm. than to have heard about Christ and turn away. Yeah, well, true. And, and, and the reason for that is that Jesus teaches explicitly that um, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. Right, so that if you've got Christian parents who are heartbroken over a wayward child, a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, um, they are right to be heartbroken. They are right to be concerned. They are right to be worried about it because it is a big deal. Because a child who's rejecting Christ is rejecting a, a lot. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they should not despair because uh, the. The upbringing, the heritage, the inheritance that that child has means that there are handholds. There are there are things that um, the Holy Spirit can work with. Mm. You know, 
passages that can be brought back to mind. Um, and if I could use the example of uh, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, who was an atheistic philosopher, I think he's the one who said, the water of baptism never dries. <laughs> you know, you're not in a position, basically, it's extremely difficult to turn away. It's yes. not just something you can have a bad week and, and do. That's it right. has to be a long, concerted um, pattern of hardening your heart. Yes, yes. That's helpful. Um, now what about, we, we have maybe like four minutes left, five minutes. What about the faithful child? You know, he's, he or she is not going to be a perfect child for sure, but, you know, there's this fundamental faithfulness. And how does that tie into how we will train that child? And and what what uh, advice would you have for Christian parents in terms of education? Yes, I would say if you have a child who is um, loves the things of God, loves Scripture, loves going to church, loves loves these things, then keep in mind that uh, oftentimes people in my parents in my generation uh, were converted to Christ in college, mm. so they remember starkly what it was like before you know. Um, before yeah. I was converted, it was blackness and despair and unhappiness. And then they were converted, <laughs> and it was light and Jesus and yay and I want to <laughs> sing and that sort of thing. And then they get married, and they bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, which is just what God said to do. Yeah. But but the children don't have a flashy testimony. Right. All right? right. So what you want to do is teach your children, um, a phrase I've used oftentimes is you don't have to know what time the sun rose exactly, to know that it's up, mm-hmm. right? So I don't look, I can look outside and see that it's daylight, and I don't know the exact minute the sun rose this morning, mm. but I know that it's up, yeah. right? And so you want children to grow up in a home living in the light of Christ, living in the light of Jesus and, and how people love each other, and, and that means they can grow and mature far past what their parents got to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A parent who was converted when he was 22 and has to start from there, it has a certain advantage over his children who were brought up in the faith, because he can remember what it was like being apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. He has that dramatic memory. But that advantage is not the biggest advantage. The biggest advantage is held by the, the children Amen. who... Um, who know what it is to love God in every aspect of their life. They know what it's like to grow up in a family where everybody is secure and, and mm. they love each other and they accept each other and it's not characterized by fighting and bitterness. Mm-hmm. In other words, this is not a Fox News fair and balanced where you need to experience everything uh, life. Right. It, it's it's much better that you know the Christian life because that's where true truth and happiness and relationship exists. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we're talking today about the family and particularly about children born into a Christian home. We have maybe uh, one or two minutes left. Um, Any final thoughts, Doug Wilson, for our listeners today? Yeah. um, Basically, the thing I would say is that the greatest commandment in all of Scripture is found in Deuteronomy 6, and it's, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the thing I never get tired of telling parents is that commandment, the greatest commandment in all of Scripture, is given in 
a passage that's all talking entirely about covenant education. Mm. You shall talk about these things with your children when you rise up, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, etc. If you're if we're supposed to love God with all our brains, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then bringing our children up means teaching them to love God with all their brains and mind and heart and soul. Mm. But um, so basically. This is a design feature. God wants us to function this way. Mm-hmm. Well put. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, Doug, it's a real privilege for us to be able to talk with you today. And I know you're a very busy man. Thank you very much for taking some time and talking with our listeners. And I uh, want to thank you also for allowing us to read your book for a glory and a covering uh, on the Covenant Home, a short excerpt every Wednesday night. And if someone needs to get a hold of you for any reason or would like to ask a question, certainly they can use the email address here at the station, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. But do you have a website that you would like to direct people to, maybe a blog or something that sure. they could read? Um, they could uh, go to www.dougwills.com. Dougwills.com. Okay, got it. Dougwills.com. Well, thank you again, and to our listeners, this entire broadcast is up on our website as a podcast. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org, and please join us again next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.